This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. The following speech by Congressman John Sarbanes was recorded at CBF's 54th event on July 15th, 2017. It is truly a great honor of mine to introduce another young leader, at least young to me. He is a national leader for the environment, a national leader for environmental education, and a national leader for environmental literacy. He's truly a personal hero of mine. Congressman John Sarbanes, my congressman here in Maryland, representing the 3rd District. Congressman Sarbanes, thank you very much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you, uh, Will, for the introduction. I want to first off just salute the Chesapeake Bay Foundation on this 50th anniversary. Incredible organization. Look at what's going on here today. Um, I just said to Joel Dunn that it's totally unfair to put me on after those two students <laughs> gave that incredible presentation. Uh, very inspiring. Uh, CBF is the driver of protecting and preserving and elevating the Chesapeake Bay. Um, the bay, the watershed, all that it means to this region, all that it means to the country. The Bay's a national treasure, as you know, a natural and a national treasure. And that's why we're working so hard to preserve it. So as I was coming down here today from Baltimore, I live, I live up north of the city a little bit, I was thinking about why I'm here. And I don't just mean the invitation from, from Will, but why am I here in this space? Why am I here? on these issues, why have I become such a passionate advocate uh, for the environment, for the Chesapeake Bay? Why do I care about this stuff like you do? And stuff just jumps into my head. There's three places I go in my mind, we all do this, that connect me to the environment that kind of recharge me when it comes to the bay and stepping up and protecting our planet and our earth. So the first thing is, when I was eight years old, this thing happened when we were crabbing on the Nanticoke River. I was with my grandmother. This is where we used to go. I used to visit her on the eastern shore of Maryland, where the Nanticoke is, and we used to go crabbing there. And one night we were out there crabbing. It was about 6.30 or 7 o'clock. We were putting the crabs into the wicker basket like you used to do, and you know, crabbing the old-fashioned way with a chicken leg on the end of the string, and you're waiting there with the, with the net to scoop it up. And the tide started coming in really fast. And before we knew it, we were cut off from the shore by about three or four feet of water, and it was getting deeper fast. We were caught on a sandbar. And I remember my grandmother sort of took charge, and my brother and I were put in charge of carrying this, this wicker basket into shore over our heads as we were swimming through the tide. And that, that experience kind of baptized me in the Chesapeake Bay. I always go there. So that's one reason I'm here. Another reason I'm here is that there's a tiny village in Greece where my grandparents came from, down in the southern Peloponnese, near Sparta. 
that village is right on the water. And just off the shore, there's this tiny island. It's about a half mile offshore. And that's the island, whenever we visit Greece, whenever we visit that village, that's the island we swim to. And you got to be very careful when you're getting out of the water because there's sea urchins all over the rocks. I feel that place. That's why I'm here. Another reason I'm here is that there's a farm in Canada northwest of Ottawa where I go every spring to make maple syrup, the old-fashioned way, where you tap into the trees and you collect the sap. And then you sit out in the middle of the night boiling that sap over a cauldron that's about 100 years old at 2, 3 in the morning with three feet of snow around you and you're listening to the calls of wild coyotes out there in the wilderness and you're feeling the kind of the, the cold wind across your face. That's why I'm here. And I mention all those things because one of the reasons that I felt so passionately about the No Child Left Inside Act, which was the piece of legislation that I helped to spearhead almost 10 years ago now, is because of research that shows that if you can give a young person at a formative age an experience in nature, that will imprint them. That will make them an advocate for the environment. It will change their lives. And if we can bring more of these experiences, like the ones I just described, happened to me, and the ones that every single person in this room must have had because it brought you to this point, if we can make that experience available, for more children, for the next generation, for the people that are going to be the stewards like you are of our environment and our future and our planet, then we can change the trajectory of our future. That was the basic motivation behind the No Child Left Inside Act. And for 10 years, working with advocates like Joel Dunn, like Will Baker, like Charlie Steck, and others, we put together a national coalition to make sure that we created this opportunity for grant funding and resources to flow from the federal government to support all kinds of innovative outreach experiences for young people in this country. And I'm glad to say that, you know, 90% of success in life and certainly about 95% of success in Washington is you just got to keep showing up day in and day out, year in and year out. And finally, Last year, we were able to get the No Child Left Inside Act passed within the Every, Every Student Succeeds Act, which is the new national education bill. So now this opportunity for funding and support exists for many of the innovative projects and initiatives that you're going to think of, that you're going to come up with. You're going to be able to access those resources to connect and translate what you do to people that are younger than you and inspire them to take the same kind of ownership of the environment that you're demonstrating here today. So that was the passion and the motivation for me behind the No Child Left Inside Act. And it was people like Will and CBF and others who brought that idea to me. I want to thank you, Will, for that and all the other advocates uh, who really decided to come put that on my desk and see if I would step up to the challenge. And we worked with this broad coalition across the country, uh, Senator Jack Reed on the Senate side, and we made it happen. And we created some, some momentum that I think can continue. So I wanted to talk to you about what you can be. And, and you know, I think, 
probably implicitly a lot of these roles, but I wanted to just emphasize them again. The first thing is keepers of the natural world, preserving this. And I always say it's unfair to put me with my back to that view because <laughs> some of you are getting distracted by it, not paying attention to what I'm saying. But your first job is to, is to protect this, to keep this. And you're well on your way to doing it. That presentation we just heard shows, shows that that's true. But your keepers of the natural world, that's the first thing we ask you to be. And I have no doubt that you're ready to be. The second thing is to be teachers, to teach everyone you can, old and new, about why this is important and why you have to protect it. And the fact that you're here and part of this program, this is six days, you, you told me? Six days. Well, six days. The fact that you're here shows you're ready for that responsibility. You're ready to be teachers. You're ready to be translators and guides. You're ready to lead your peers and every generation into these natural spaces and interpret them for people. There's another program I'm proud to support. We just introduced the reauthorization of something called the Chesapeake uh, Gateways and Water Trails program, which is to promote access to these natural spaces. It's not enough to activate people's interest in being in nature. You've got to create the opportunity for that public access to those spaces. There's 170 sites in the Chesapeake Bay watershed that 10 million people access every year in order to connect themselves to nature. You're going to help do that for them. You're going to be the guide. You're going to be the translator and interpreter of that. So that's the second role that you, you play, that I ask you to play. The third role is to be a witness. And we've got people in this room who come up to Capitol Hill and they testify as experts. They provide scientific testimony, testimony about what they're doing. They do what those two young people just talked about today. They go and they testify to legislators and they give them that inside perspective to try to motivate them to do the right thing when it comes to public policy. So you can play a role as a witness but you can take it to the next step. The other thing I ask you to be, and I'm convinced that every single person here will be, more than just a witness, an advocate, become an advocate and a champion, become Will Baker. You can be, sorry Will, everyone here can be you. I know you're great. I'm looking for my successor. I know you're great, but everyone here can be a Will Baker. You have what it takes to step up. Everybody here can be a Charlie Stack and a Joel Dunn. You can be an advocate and a champion. You can motivate people. You can come into the sterile environment of a hearing room on Capitol Hill and you can wake people up and make them understand why it's so important to support things that can make a difference for the Bay, for our planet, to fight on climate change. You can be the people who don't stop when our president decides to take a major step backward by pulling us out of the Paris Accord and saying, that's all right. We already decided that we were going to do the things to meet those goals. And you can't stop us from pursuing that, from keeping those goals in front of us. And it's amazing what you're seeing happen at the local level across America as cities and states and mayors and governors step up and say, that's OK. You want to bail out? 
At your level, fine, but we're going to pick up the baton where we are, and we're going to keep fighting to protect our planet and to combat climate change. That comes from being a champion and being an advocate, for, from being a Will Baker and a CBF and stepping up and saying, we're going to go into these places where public policy is made. We're not going to keep this story to ourselves. We're going to go preach the gospel on why it's important. And we're going to keep on those legislators and our public servants to make sure that they do the right thing for the planet and for the Chesapeake Bay. So you can be champions and advocates as well. But the last thing I want to ask you to be, it's a little bit maybe out there, but um, they, they ask, um, there's, this, there's this yoga technique I heard about where <clears throat> you ask everybody in the room to close their eyes, and then you ask them to picture in their mind a place, the place that is a source of peace for them and stability for them what gives them the most steadiness. And the research shows that 85, 90% of the people in that room are imagining this kind of place. They're imagining somewhere in nature, being on the side of a mountain, coming out of the water and feeling the salt on their skin, that that's the place of peace for them. That's what grounds them the most. Well, it depends what kind of room you're in. In this room, I think 100% almost would probably say, that's where I find peace in nature. But there are rooms, there are almost whole neighborhoods in places like West Baltimore where they can't find that source of peace and steadiness because they haven't had that experience. And we need to find sources of peace. There's too much violence going on in our society and in our world. We, we reach for violent solutions uh, too easily because we don't have the places in our minds and in our souls that we can grab one to steady us. So your peacemakers, if you can connect people to nature, particularly young people, if you can give them that anchor, you become peacemakers. And you become protectors of what's real. I, I heard a story yesterday, some of you may have heard it on NPR. There's now this artificial intelligence that's going to be able to create fake videos. They took hundreds of hours of high-definition video of President Obama and they fed it to a computer and then they asked the computer to recompose video statements of the President that weren't true. And it did it flawlessly. What is real anymore? This is going to be a real challenge for us. It's a challenge of your time and your generation, of your age, of what you're going to steward forward. You are the keepers of the stuff that machines cannot create. A machine cannot create this. A machine cannot create standing on the side of a mountain and feeling the wind through your hair. It cannot create that salt on your skin when you come out of the ocean. It cannot create a sunset. It cannot create that experience. 
you're protecting what's real and natural, the natural world, the thing that's going to connect us, that's going to give us that peace, that's going to help reduce violence. I don't want to put too much on you, but that's what's at stake here. <laughs> this is the answer. This is the antidote. This is what's real. You're in charge of that. That's a big responsibility, but we're counting on you. So, you know, Will Baker's done it again. He's assembled all of you. He's got people like Charlie and Joel and John Racanelli, I see here from the, the National Aquarium at Baltimore, which is doing um, great work. And he invited me here to, I guess, say some words to try to give you some extra motivation and tell you about your relevance to the future and through his dark arts what he's just done is re-energize me to go back up there and fight because <laughs> just talking to you and hearing from you now I'm I'm re-inspired to carry this battle on on Capitol Hill and try and make a difference <laughs> so I want to thank you for being those keepers of the natural world, for being the teachers, for being the translators and the interpreters, for being those witnesses, for being the champions and the advocates, and for being the peacekeepers. That's a lot, but you're up to the challenge. That presentation, flawless, confident, looking everybody in the eye. Why? Why so undaunted? Why showing such um, courage to stand up and make the case because of the passion that gives you a purpose, as was said? If you are motivated by the natural world, by preserving this, by connecting people to what's real, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. So congratulations on where you are. Congratulations on what you're going to do. Put your names in a hat, pull it out, decide who's going to be the next Will Baker or Charlie Steck or John Racanelli or Joel Dunn or all of these other people who are your mentors and leaders and inspire you. You're going to make an incredible difference for the world. Something amazing has happened here in Maryland in the Chesapeake Bay watershed in Pennsylvania and Virginia and Delaware. Something's happening here that has tremendous consequences for our planet. And you're the ones that are making it happen. You're the most important people in our world right now because this is our future and you're the stewards of that. You're the stewards of our future. So keep going and thank you Chesapeake Bay Foundation for bringing me in here recharging me and sending me back. Good job, Will. Thank you all. The Will Baker, our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay.